I hope you've all had a great December, have you? Are you ready for Christmas Day? Do you have any gifts to wrap still? I do. This month at our church has been a really great month. We've had our Christmas concerts here. We had uh, Christmas parties together. There's been Christmas cookies, lots of them. We had a children's choir last week. Were some of you here for that? It has been so joyful. You know, it's caused me to experience something that I'm not that familiar with. All month long, I found myself feeling nostalgic. Has anybody else been feeling that this year? That wistful longing for the good old days? My mind has been full of memories from my childhood at Christmas time. The Advent calendar that my mom made hanging in the kitchen right beside the rotary phone. Or the family drive to the hacienda to pick out our tree, which we would then tie on top of our great big blue Buick station wagon. Did anyone else have one of those? Or climbing the ladder to go up into the attic to get the nativity set. I still can smell the attic going up there for the first time in the winter. We would set the manger and the animals up right on top of our TV. Uh, my TV now is a half an inch thick. Back then it was two and a half feet thick. There was plenty of space. And we would put the manger and the animals there. The shepherds would be in the bathroom down the hall. And then the wise men all the way in our bedrooms. And every week after Christmas services or Advent services at church, my parents would move them a little closer with us. And they would teach us about the meaning of Christmas and Advent. Christmas Eve, every year, we went to the late service where you got to light real candles. Nobody cared about fire safety back then. And, and then it was Christmas morning. And I always got in my stocking a Hillshire Farms summer sausage and then a jar of pickled herring. And I would eat that all day long. You bite a sausage, pickled herring. Oh, it was delightful. I can still remember in 1980 when, uh, when they came out with Big League Chew. Uh, my favorite flavor was grape but you do not want to mix grape, big league chew, and herring. It's terrible. All of these memories, looking back now, they're delightful. But this year, I can see something back there, which I couldn't see then. And it was that the best gift my parents gave to me was that the million different ways that they showed us what God is like through the way that they cared for me and my brother, sincerely, uh, for who we were. It wasn't in the things that they taught us about Advent. Those were good lessons. It wasn't in the books that they read for us about the meaning of Christmas. I liked those. It wasn't in what the pastor preached about on Christmas Eve. I wish I could say it was now that I'm a preacher. But it was in the way that they loved us. Tonight, I want to show you uh, what I learned from them, which is true for all of us, and it is that God is the one who loves every one of us in a million little ways for who we are, just where we are right now, without having to be any different than we are. God's care and concern for us comes through one of the names that we're going to look at now that Jesus is given in the Christmas story, where we learn that he is the good shepherd. In the Gospel of Matthew, there's a line in the Christmas story that comes when a group is asking, where will the Messiah be born? And in the answer, there's a name for this baby that teaches us 
who we receive if we receive Jesus. Look at Matthew 2, verse 6. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people, Israel. Bethlehem was a little village that was not far away from Jerusalem that was famous for its bread, the name means house of bread, and also for its sheep. On the hills surrounding that ancient village, you could see at any moment the shepherds watching over their flocks. Uh, If you uh, grew up there, you would know that one of the most famous men in all of the history of God's people came from there, David was the king who was a shepherd who came from Bethlehem. In this day, the promise was here very plainly that it wasn't just the city where David came from, but it would be the city from which the Messiah would be born and to the people he would be a shepherd. Now, I want you to use your imagination for a minute. Try to do this. Imagine you were born in an ancient village where every single day on the hillsides, you could see the shepherds caring for their sheep. Now try to picture what that would be like. Each morning, they would lead those sheep to good food and provide for them. They took care of their needs. If they needed help or attention of any kind uh, to keep them uh, healthy, the the shepherd would give it. If there was uh, a wolf that came, you could hear them in the village. You knew those shepherds would be there to protect them. Now, These qualities, this character of of devotion to a needy person, this is exactly what you would want from your religious leaders if you grew up in that environment. And that's what's promised here, that there's going to be a shepherd. But, But listen now, if you were in Bethlehem in the first century, you would also be very skeptical that there could be anything good in a promise like this. Because you would have known that for generations, the shepherds of Israel had failed miserably at doing what they should have done. Uh, Not just in your recent experience, but from ages past, you would know the sad history of the failure of Israel's shepherds. And I don't mean the ones on the hillsides. I mean the ones in the temples. The religious leaders who were supposed to care for you, but instead of caring for you, they only cared for you. For themselves. This pattern of failure amongst the religious leaders had gone back for generations, all the way back to the prophets. In fact, Ezekiel, one of the ancient prophets, addressed this low expectation that people would have from their religious leaders. In chapter 34 of his book, look at verse 2. This is God speaking. Thus says the Lord, Woe, you shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? Everyone knows that the most important thing for a shepherd to do is to feed the sheep because the way sheep function is they eat all of the grass that they can see and after that, then there's no more and they give up and lie down and die. Unless the shepherd brings them to a new pasture where there's fresh food, they can't survive without the basic help that they need to find food. And here, the religious leaders were like bad shepherds because instead of feeding the sheep, did you see what they did? They fed themselves. 
And that means they put themselves first. If the shepherd feeds himself instead of the sheep, it means that his self-interest is at the root of his failure. He cares more about himself than the sheep he's supposed to look after. And this is how it was in Ezekiel's day, and it was how it was in Jesus' day too. So if you grew up in Bethlehem and someone came and said, there's going to be a new shepherd, you would say, I'm not sure I would put a lot of hope in that. Do you think that the same kind of thing happens in religious communities nowadays? Mm. It was very, very practical what was happening. And I'll describe it in the simplest terms I can. Imagine this. A religious community that said God cared about everybody, but right on the outskirts, the poor were completely ignored. While the the wealthy religious folks had more than enough. A community that said God cares about everybody, but then there were widows and orphans who were powerless in that culture, but nobody came to help them. Or someone who used to be there at the temple and a part of the religious life of of those people became sad or sick or depressed or anxious or they got themselves wound up in some kind of sin or doubt and, and so they moved away. But instead of going out toward them, well, the religious leaders just pretended they didn't exist. That's what it was like. And, and anyone who had open eyes could see, you know what? Our leaders are hypocritical, they're self-interested, and they're power-hungry. They use their power for themselves. And so people didn't have a lot of hope, but God's outlook on it all is expressed in the first thing he said. Do you notice? Woe, you shepherds. You know, if God ever directly addresses you, you don't want the first word he says to be woe. <laughs> it's God's way of saying everything is wrong. This is not how I want it to be. You know, sometimes people talk to me and they share a story about a bad shepherd in their past. And they say, I won't go to church anymore. This is what happened. You know, God is on your side when you feel disgusted at the failure of people who are meant to represent God. In that moment, Ezekiel looked at the world around him and God said, you tell them how I feel about it. Whoa. Now, it didn't just end there. In that soil of disappointment, where folks who had hearts that wanted to know that God was good, but yet had a hard time believing, there was a promise that came through the prophet that seemed almost too good to be true. A little further on, God actually says how he's going to fix the problem. Listen to these words. This is down in verse 15 and 16. This is God speaking. I, myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek out the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. God says, Those hypocrites who've abused their power over the week, I see everything that's happening and I know how deeply it wounds you. I'll take care of it, God says. Don't you worry about it. You leave that to me. I'll feed them with justice. And then he looks at you 
And he says, I will be your shepherd. And that means your peace and your security is going to be my priority. That's what's meant in the image of making the sheep lie down. Sheep only lie down when they've had enough to eat and when they feel safe and secure and they know they're protected. Here, God says to the people, I will come and I will make sure that you are safe and protected. I myself will do it. And if you get lost and wander away, I'm not gonna wait for you to find your way back to me. I'm gonna come to you right where you are and I know exactly what's in your heart. I know why you've gone away. And I'm not gonna come to you to ask you, what's wrong with you? Why have you done this? I'm not gonna come out there to judge you and tell you what's wrong. I'm gonna come out to you because I care so deeply for you that I have no peace when you don't have peace. Do you see how stunning this image is? It's the exact opposite of what the bad shepherds were like, full of all of their conditions to come close. God says, I will seek you out and I'm gonna come to bind up your wounds and where you're injured. And, and let me say this, no religious leader at all knows the wounds that you've carried into this place. If someone says, oh, I know exactly what you're going through, they're not telling you the truth, only you know. But God knows also. And in this moment, in this singular image, God is depicted with this sentiment. Look at it. I, myself, will be the shepherd. Now, I don't know how the religious community has represented God to you, but I would hope that on this Christmas Eve, you could set that aside and you could let these words present a possibility. Maybe this is what God's like. The one who knows all of the ways that his people have failed and will continue to fail, but nonetheless makes a promise. And that is a promise that is based in one thing, his love for you. Listen carefully. In the fact that God is not self-interested, first of all, but he's more interested in you and your well-being than in his own. And that means that he's willing to leave the mountaintop to take the long trek into the valley for our sake. And he's not someone who just says he cares, but he's someone who, whose care is sincere, whose whole life follows the value that he places on each and every one of his sheep, directed by what promotes the best for the other. He's someone who loves in a million small ways like the very best mom or dad at Christmas time. And this is the most remarkable part. And, and this is what's in the heart of the Christmas story. Uh, God the shepherd would go so far to rescue his sheep that he would be born as a vulnerable baby in a manger so that he could grow up among the people whom he came to save so that he could know from the inside what it means to be a person who struggles and so he could give himself to rescue us. That's the story of Christmas. Uh, Jesus, the one who was promised to come in Bethlehem to be the shepherd of his people Israel, would grow up to say as much about himself. Here, look at these words. These are the words of Jesus when he was a grown-up in the Gospel of John. He said this about himself. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. To lay down one's life, it does not mean, first of all, to die for. It means to put oneself at the disposal of others. 
here and now with all the energy and power you have, uh, not just to die for them, though if that were required, the one who says this would do that too. It means to live for selflessly, sincerely, and humbly, being so concerned with the well-being of others that you would go as far as needed to help, giving all of yourself to meet their needs because you choose to put them first. Have you in your memory any experience of a person doing that for you in your life? If you do, give me some sign. Some of you do. Would you thank God for that person in your heart right now? I am so fortunate that I grew up with a mom and dad who did that for me. I think I took that for granted when I was a kid. I don't anymore. I feel so fortunate. Who is it for you? Maybe it's a friend at school or a coworker. Or, or someone in your extended family. Maybe it is your mom and dad. Those people are showing you what God is like to the extent that they choose to be with you like Jesus has chosen to be with all of us. Because Jesus did every day lay his life down for his friends and not his friends only, but also for his enemies. He was the one who came and lived a life with no hypocrisy whatsoever, who said, I love you and I will always, and loved all the way to the very end, even the enemies who put him on the cross. And now listen, I'm going to make this personal right now. This, if this is so, and this is who God is, it means that Jesus is intensely interested in you, every one of you, not for what you can give to him, which is pretty, pretty much why everyone else in the whole world is interested in you, but simply for what he can give to you. And what he means to give to you is his whole life so that you have true life. And this is done by Jesus without any conditions, without the conditions that a religious community put upon you. He sets those aside and he says, you are my creation and therefore I give myself for you. And what he wants is for you to let him rescue you like the shepherd rescues the wandering sheep. Here, listen now if you feel especially far away from God. And by the way, let me tell you that people who come to church every week can feel far from God. And people who don't want anything to do with church can feel really far from him if it's real uh, that there is a God after all. But if you're in that group, listen to me now. God himself is coming out for you. Uh, Jesus spiritually comes to people who are gathered in a room like this through the words of a, a preacher, through the words of, of the scriptures, through the songs that people sing, through the prayers that happen, even through the silence. And he comes to you because he wants to give you everything you need. And so listen, here's the question. Will you let him rescue you? That's a real question. I don't think he forces himself on anyone. And will you let him change you as he rescues you? In fact, I'll... I'll sharpen both of those questions into challenges to leave you with on Christmas. So here, there are two. Here's my first challenge to you. Let Jesus be your shepherd. And by that, I mean, live in such a way that his interest in you can meet its mark. And, and, and I'll be very practical there. I mean just create moments where his spiritual presence has room in your life so that your ears can hear, so that your heart can receive. You know how easy it is to be distracted these days? 
So set your phone aside and go out. Maybe even this evening after the presents are wrapped, walk outside under the stars. Don't stay out too long. You might not come back. But go out for a moment. And in the silence, you look up there. And then say, just speak naturally from your heart. I know religious communities have made it seem like only certain people can pray. Nonsense. Just open your heart to him and say whatever's in there. If you're so grateful for the way things have turned, you got a job, thank goodness, or the, the kids are back and, and they're together, you, you're with them, uh, or whatever's behind you that you're grateful for, say it to him. Say, Jesus, thank you. Or if it's the opposite, if everything's falling to pieces and nothing's going as you wished for the children or for you or for whatever, just tell him. And, and you watch what happens. You open your heart to him. You'll see spiritually he is the shepherd who's right here. It, it, do this. Uh, Maybe on Christmas morning, after the, the presents are, are done being opened, open the New Testament and read some of Jesus' words and read them expecting that maybe he'll say something to you through them. I'm serious. Don't, don't read on your phone because there's going to be a, a notification and you're going to be on Facebook or something soon. But just read it in the paper version and, and, and look at it and you'll read words like, knock and the door will be opened. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Jesus made that promise. And then maybe you'll say, all right, I'm seeking some sign that you are real. I'm knocking. If you're out there, let me see something. And watch what happens. Let Jesus shepherd you. Here, join a flock of other sheep that are trying to follow the shepherd. That's a poetic way of saying go to church. And I'm not, I'm not too shy to say it. You should go to church in 2023. And I'm not telling you to come to this church. Maybe you should come to this church. And if it's a church that's good for you, come here and be around the other sheep who are also trying to grow in relationship to the good shepherd. If you never spend time around them, you should have low expectations for your growth. I promise you that. And if it's not this church, go somewhere else, but be around other people. And by the way, it doesn't even have to be in a church. It can be other spiritually-minded people who are willing to talk about deep things in life instead of always just getting lost in reruns. If you will do this, if you will accept this challenge to let Jesus be your shepherd, then here, the second challenge is also for you. Okay, here it is. Ready? Be a good shepherd to the people that God has put in your life. Like my mom and dad were to my brother and me. If you have children whether they're really small or grown up, you can still seek to show them what God is like by being like a shepherd to them. And, and if you don't have children, you can find some younger people, maybe that go to the church that you're a part of and get involved with them and show them care and concern. Uh, those who are older, I promise you that this generation that's coming up, they desperately want responsible adults who'll give them positive attention. And you can do that with your nieces and your nephews. You can do it with neighbors or people at work. But you can do it with peers, too. It doesn't have to be someone who's younger. Uh, wherever you work, wherever you live, you can ask yourself, how would a shepherd care for a sheep? And, and whatever power I have, you can use it for them. And you, if you do this, if you begin to behave like a shepherd, why then you'd be following the shepherd who is shepherding you. You know that Jesus said this. Some of you will know this. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. Have some of you heard that text from Jesus? Help me out here. I need a little. Yeah. You, we could change that for this year and say, just as I have shepherded you, so you also should shepherd one another. Can you, can you envision how the world would change if more and more people said, how can I lay my life down for the people around me? It would be really good. 
what it would be is it would be more and more light as people began to show the people around them what God is really like. Thank God for Christmas. Thank God for people who've showed us what God is like. And thank God that we can join our hearts together in prayer and trust that God would hear us. Would you do that with me now? Would you join with me as I pray? Yeah. God, I thank you for this time to be together with these people. For Christmas Eve 2022, the year that's behind us has had so many blessings in it and it's also had so many challenges in it. For the world that you love, for the people that are around us, our family and our friends, for, for many of us, it's, it's been a year of, of blessing and challenge. We thank you that you have carried us through it and here we are all together on this evening. Please, oh God, give us eyes to see the many ways that your care has reached through everything that we've experienced to bless us so that on this evening, we have many things to be grateful for and thankful for. God, there are hearts in this room now that are burdened and broken. I thank you that you are the good shepherd who knows exactly what each and every person in this room is carrying. I pray that your spirit would especially touch and heal those hearts here right now that are, are overburdened, who are carrying more than they can. And, and I pray that every one of us who has some strength this evening, who feels good and strong, would never squander an opportunity to share that light, that strength, that love with someone who you've put in our path. Help us be benevolent to the people around us and kind-hearted and gentle and generous and loving and faithful and kind. And in that way, help us be shepherds to the people that you put in our lives. We thank you for this very special evening and for all that it holds. And we thank you that your spirit is here with us, loving us even now. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen.